Hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? It was terrible. Um, so this week was the great conjunction. Have you heard of this thing? Like, and, but, like, Exactly. Or... That's what I thought, too. I thought it was, like, some kind of grammatical debate, like, over the Oxford comma or, like, and versus <laughs> but. But, like... It's not. It, I mean, it could not have been more different from that if I tried to make it more what, different. What is it? It's, I don't... it's this big cosmic event. It it involves the orbits of Jupiter and Saturn. Oh, is this the, They're is this the closer Christmas together. Star? You know, you saw all those the pictures. The Christmas star, like for every 400 years. The Christmas years. star, yes, but they were calling it the Great Conjunction. Yes, every 400 The last time they were this close was like in 1623, and it kicks off this new astrological epoch. So we're moving from Earth signs to air signs now. No, this and is not. This is... All of this made me realize that it's, it's how little I understand about anything these <laughs> days it's it's just all so confusing okay this is nonsense so, this is the kind yeah. of thing we're going to talk about this is nope the podcast where we shut it down my name is no my sign is no my number is no you need to let it go you need to let it go need to let it go okay rachel uh this is going to be our last podcast of the year we are uh we're taking next week off we rarely do that as a self uh, a self-care indulgence but we are going to do that so this is it this is it. This is it. But by the way, did you go outside and see the Great Conjunction? The no, Christmas I can't star? see. I'm in the city. I can't see any. I can't okay. even see the moon. We, we saw it. We went oh. out on the deck and saw it. It just looked like a big star. We couldn't really like distinguish one element from the other. But okay. know, it, was, it was interesting. Okay. <laughs> well, to get back to our housekeeping, we're not going to be on next week. But we do have a very <laughs> special segment at the end. So many of you loved our summer music series that we're actually going to do a Christmas music spectacular at the end of this podcast. So stay with us. We have some, you know, good nopes uh, at the beginning of the show, and then we're going to end, go out with a Christmas bang. So uh, why don't we start, Rachel? Yes. Like, what's been going on out where you are this week? So yeah, there was um there was a snowstorm, as you know, in New York. We got about I don't know three or four inches of snow, and it was very cold and windy and icy. And you know me, I hate driving under normal circumstances, which is why it's great that I live in New York because I don't even have to have a car. But here I have a car out on Long Island and I had to drive in the blizzard, in the heart of the blizzard, because it just wouldn't let up. And AJ has this new pet and the pet is a carnivorous plant. Um, so he wanted for... <laughs> Wait, <laughs> just, he, in addition to Coco, he has a Venus flytrap or... Yes, yes. He wanted a Venus flytrap and he named it Vini. Um, my sister got it for him and her family. And what I did not know about Venus flytraps is that while they eat insects, you wouldn't think they'd be so picky about what they drink. But the only thing they can drink is distilled water. They have very delicate Palette. How do they and get distilled water in the wild? Like <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's all very confusing. But apparently, like the instruction said, do not give them regular water. And if you give them regular water, they will die. And so I wasn't sure. Like, should I give it regular water or should I just let it die of dehydration? Because <laughs> no. we're in the middle of a blizzard. <laughs> and then die. I was like, then I was like, forget it. I have to go out and get 
get this water. So I went out in the blizzard. I almost like skidded into my own mailbox because like this, it was so icy. And um, I had I had to stop at the end of the driveway and like dig out so that the tires could go over the snowbank because they plowed the street. And I got distilled water at CVS. And now the Venus flytrap seems to be dying anyway. And so I bought <laughs> plant lamps to surround it with fake sunlight and so i'm operating this very sad <laughs> terrarium <laughs> did he see how did aj know it? did he see little shop of horrors or something i tried to show it to him he he was bored by it but i think it like it doesn't ramp up and he's bored the by the only movie involved the only pop culture artifact involving venus flytraps in the universe <laughs> he is not interested i'm i need to show it to him again i think maybe he was too young the first time i tried to show it to him but yeah okay. he, he wasn't into it um but yeah that that's been my that's been my week and today well, we got another delivery of a new pet which is um caterpillars because we're oh growing butterflies <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. This is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I have uh I've had animal troubles too of another <laughs> sort. So uh cobra giant cobras have been following me. And by what? that I mean like, they've been following cobra me on <laughs> No, they've been following me online. And I'll give you the background here. So everyone uh, probably everyone is moving to Florida. Like there's this whole thing like entrepreneurs and the startup culture is all moving to Florida and like your parents are moving to Florida and you know Carlo from Select he's to moving to Florida and all all my people are, are either in Florida for the winter or moving to Florida so maybe like my Google algorithm picked up on that that I was getting a lot of Florida words in my Gmail or something but it started showing me articles about Florida and not just articles, but the first one it showed me was this article about the infestation of like these 20 foot cobras that are coming out of the Everglades and like infesting the suburbs of Florida. Um, I didn't know there were cobras in Florida. That's yes, so interesting. Yes, they were an invasive series like some number of years ago, but now they're they're prolific, ubiquitous. And there's this one woman who's the cobra hunter, and she's killed 600 snakes, and she grills them for meat, and they have like, you know, barbecued snakes and snake jerky. And I'm like, okay, I got this weirdo article. But of course, because I clicked on it, now it thinks I'm interested in Florida cobras. So I keep getting these articles. And then there's this <laughs> other article that it shows me that of course I click on also, because now it's got my attention about this like special breed of dogs that's particularly good at hunting cobras. And so oh. now there's like a like space force, there's like cobra force among the dogs. Um, so I, I'm suddenly now I'm seeing all of this Cobra content and I think I'm better for it. Like I'm, <laughs> I mean, he, animals and humans should not mix, but, um, I, it, it's a small pleasure. I'll take what I could get at the end of 2020 sort of. <laughs> well, it's weird. Just as you were talking about dogs, like Coco was suddenly activated and she like got <laughs> maybe, off the bed maybe, and moved over here, but there's no way she could hear what's going maybe, on. Maybe she's a Cobra dog. Maybe she's, yeah, I think. Do you see her? She's yeah. Right there. Well, you're yeah. in he you're in headphones. She couldn't hear what I'm saying. I know she couldn't, but dog. she could sense it. She like came close. Like, <laughs> she senses the dog vibrations. <laughs> cobra dog she would be good at that <laughs> okay well that was that was my very lame covid adventure this week i saw a bunch of cobra stories on <laughs> on the internet yeah this is okay 
<laughs> okay, so Sad what do you got? State let's, of affairs. Let's do a couple of nopes before we do this music. Yeah, so there's so many nopes this week, um, one after the other. And like on the one hand, it's great. The vaccine is finally getting out there. But on the other, all these disgusting people are getting it first before deserving people, most notably Rupert Murdoch and Marco Rubio. But like that's not even the biggest nope. The biggest nope overall, I'd say, is this entire interregnum period from the election to January 20th, which is like the ninth circle of hell. And for some reason, our Constitution dictates that an administration ends on noon on January 20th. And before the 20th Amendment was passed in 1933, it used to be even longer. It was in March. It was it used to be in March. Right. Yeah. Well, that was when yeah, people and- like weren't insane and acted in good faith and not like out of sedition and, you know, they weren't traitors as president. We yes. couldn't prepare for like an evil such as this. Um, but so for the past 90 years or so, we've had to deal with just 10 weeks with the lame duck. And this year it happens to be a like seditious, insane lame duck who wants to burn down our entire system as revenge for losing the election. And there's nothing anybody could do about it. And I've been thinking a lot that it should really be like The Apprentice. Like our government can learn a lot about The Apprentice, which is like you get fired and you have your bags sitting there. They're pre-packed and you get into the elevator and you go in a cab and there's an exit interview. Yeah. And that's that. It's like Survivor, right? right? After the right after the final vote, uh, you know. The tribe has after, spoken. The tribe has spoken. And you'll be asked to leave the tribal council area immediately. That's the. Immediately. That is how it should go. We could learn a lot from reality and let let i know there needs to be continuity of government but let the civil let the cabinet stay let the civil servants stay and keep things going but the new president steps in on november next day or whatever yeah like the following week it's fine and and so the reason why like i'm talking about this is because it's just not going to stop until january 20th as we all know so we just have to like buckle up and prepare for the crazy. And for example, just last night, Trump was pardoning all these war criminals, Russian cutouts, oh, this cronies. Plaque, this Plackwater thing is sickening. It it's sickens me to my stomach. Of all the things, like, I, I mean, you just think it can't get any worse, but this is like murderers of children, of like civilians. It, it's hard to even get my head around it. They're like talk thrill about. murderers. They were like joy. It was like a game for them to kill these civilians and children. They're not even military people. They're just like Para, Private paramilitary, yeah. Yes. And so um, the one of them was Duncan Hunter. He wasn't the Blackwater person, but he was the former <laughs> He would have been if he'd, he been, if he'd gotten an offer. He would have been happy yes. to serve. Of course. He was on the same level of ethical standards. He He's the one who used $250,000 of campaign money on personal expenses, like tickets to Riverdance, and then he blamed it on his <laughs> wife. And then his wife just got pardoned tonight with Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, and Jared Kushner's father, Charles Kushner. It's just all so disgusting. And the, this um, Harvard law professor determined that 60 of the 65 pardons that Trump has issued thus far, that's 92%, have personal connections to him. It's, uh, we need to do away with the interregnum. We need to do away with the pardon power. I just don't see what the point is anymore of or let having... the let the pardon power expire upon the upon election day yes right? so election, you can't yes. do these like deathbed confessions or whatever 
Exactly. Exactly. But Trump doesn't, it's, it's, he doesn't give a shit because it is the deathbed lame duck confessions. He's like the fucking honey badger, you know, (laughs) he doesn't give a fuck. And if that wasn't bad enough, after that whole abomination last night, Trump tweeted a video that nobody was expecting, even people in the White House, and it blew up the entire bipartisan government spending and COVID relief bills that were tied together so that they passed more easily. And he said, he thinks it's disgraceful that families are only getting $600, which is the first time I've agreed with anything he said <laughs> in this last four years. But for he all the be, wrong reasons. For, for all, all the, the wrong, wrong reasons. <laughs> exactly. He wants payments to be $2,000. And I was thinking like, okay, this is weird. First of all, where has he been this entire time? Well, he had Steve like Mnuchin hammering. as his like proxy in this. I don't think Trump even knew what Mnuchin was doing. I actually, to his credit, I read some stat that like, Mnuchin in the last two weeks had 186 calls with with, uh, you know, uh, Capitol Hill leaders about how to get this deal done. So obviously he thought he was acting in good faith to represent the White House. Well, I don't know if he thought he was acting in good faith, but he attended meetings. (laughs) (laughs) Attended meetings, that's true. There's a difference. Um, But obviously Trump didn't know or care that he was doing that because it had it was untethered from what Trump actually thought or now thinks. Who knows? Now think, I mean, yeah, so you see this happen and you're like, what is the strategy here? Like, why on earth would he what, do this? What and makes like, the you more think I there is a strategy? Come there, on. There's not. It's just short-term spite. And the answer is always going to be short-term spite. He wants to stick it to Mitch McConnell because he stated the obvious, which is that Joe Biden won the election six weeks after the results were already decided. And this is like punishing somebody for saying the earth is round and that water freezes at 32 degrees (laughs) Fahrenheit. Like this is a fact. The people have spoken. The results have been certified, but this fool will not let it go. And I think like on the plus side, as a result of this tantrum, he may wind up getting American families more relief. Um, Nancy Pelosi was like, sure, hell yeah, $2,000 sounds fabulous to me. Like, where have you been? Um, but on the minus side, the more likely outcome is that nothing happens at all or that Congress will override his veto if he decides to veto it. Um, and then he can position himself as the only one who really cares while he plays golf at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, right, but who cares what he what who he's cares? thought yeah. of after January 20th? Uh I'm not surprised. Are you surprised at any of this? Like, this is, I'm just bracing for the worst, and I'm hoping that whatever nonsense comes out does not have any further lasting damage to our republic. We'll get through the next, whatever it is, you know, 23 days and and just emerge and forget all of this happened. Is that naive of me? I don't know. It's not. No, I'm just hoping that this will throw Kelly Leffler and David Perdue under the bus in Georgia. Yes. And maybe it'll that's help. the chef's kiss we need to the final. That month would be of... just the ultimate. Yeah. So I'm just like, keep going crazy as long as it helps <laughs> the Democrats in Georgia. Like, fine. OK, so but... nope to this interregnum. We could go nope, on and on no. about it. But like, yeah, let's make there no interregnum. Let's just make it a no interregnum, no of... pardons. Like we have a plan for government reform here at nope so um Biden administration <laughs> call, us. Call, call us. We have some ideas. OK, um, <laughs> okay. 
So um, my next nope is about Wisconsin. Um, there's been a lot of news out of Wisconsin, but it's probably not what you think. Um, you know, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin ruled against the Trump campaign this week in their attempt to overturn the election yet again. And Trump went ballistic over this one conservative judge who cast the deciding vote. And now the guy requires police protection. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a thing called the cannibal sandwich i've never heard of <laughs> um, this 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 is a traditional holiday dish in wisconsin and it and it consists of raw ground beef on bread with sliced onions salt and pepper oh okay now, i like steak tartare but that is not steak tartare that is raw meat it's just raw. I mean, I, I know steak tartare is also bread. raw meat, but if there's the there's no, the but it's pretense. mixed with egg, yeah, and, it... and sauces and spices, and there's the pretense of cooking there, preparation. There's pageantry. Least. There's pageantry <laughs> of the preparation. Yes, I love that. It's so pageantry of it the preparation. Yes. It's like a Caesar salad or a table side guacamole. Guacamole, exactly. So, yeah. So, um, so this year in Wisconsin, the health department launched a uh, media campaign to get people to not eat cannibal sandwiches um, because hospitals are already so overloaded with COVID patients. They can't handle the typical Overload Wait, of so like salmonella. Wait, so people were already getting sick from cannibal sandwiches. <laughs> yes, for years. For, for years. years. And like they never thought to discourage it then. But like now. Well, they always discouraged like, it. But this year it's like a real big push. Like they're like, we can't have this but that's year. Like a, it's is like, it like a material increase in like ho- in hospital bed Hundreds. When, yes. when cannibal sandwiches yes. are eaten? It's, okay. it's a, I mean, I just, part of me feels like this is like, um, a Darwinian weeding out. Like if right. you're this going the to stupidity choose awards, to eat the right. cannibal sandwich, like you deserve whatever you have coming and you should not go to the hospital because this is your choice. <laughs> On the other hand, I know they will go to the hospital and, and fill it up. So, you know, I, I agree with the health department. Well, but the why? Same people, like, why? These are the same people who won't wear a mask, right? Because they don't want government telling them what they can put on their face or what they should put in their mouth. Uh, and the very fact that they're advised not Freedom. to eat cannibal sandwiches it's- makes them want to eat cannibal sandwiches more. Like, is this yeah. a part of a like? A, is it like a uh, what? Like a, a football tradition because they have those Green Bay Packers there, don't they? Like tailgating. Green is Bay Packers. Like- yeah, it's like a meat packing thing. Yeah, I think it's like a. a yeah. <laughs> I don't think the Green Bay Packers know. are the same it as started meat with the meat packer. <laughs> the Green Bay. No, first they came, the first Bay they came for the because... meat packers. Then they came for the Green Bay Packers. Then they came for the cannibal sandwiches. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know if we I have, have any listeners. I have friends in, in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. No, I have. I, know I have do. very good friends in Wisconsin. My friend Rochelle, I who I think too. you met at one of my my parties. Um, yeah. from Wisconsin. She's a wonderful person and i doubt she eats cannibal sandwiches or maybe she does i don't know my I'll... friend revere lives in wisconsin you know oh, revere yeah of and course he does not he definitely does not eat cannibal sandwiches so okay this well this is not on him but i also think that the the founder of penzi's spices should weigh in on this oh problem. well he's already Who been a guest spot- he's been a call-in guest so let's get him back and let's get a statement <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, maybe I if know. it was seasoned I... properly, if there was like pageantry, <laughs> the right? <laughs> the right, the right mix of spices. Yeah, uh, yeah maybe no, he should. You okay. know how they make those like pre-made like Montreal steak spices and stuff. They should make a cannibal sandwich spice. <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Okay. Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. That's enough. Nope okay. Okay. okay what are cutting... you doing, Wisconsin? What are you doing? Okay. I don't know. Okay. So we're cutting short these notes because, uh, nopes, because Rachel, you have been very kind in indulging me once again to do an extended music uh, segment here. Doug correctly called it when I told him I was doing this. And he said, like, Brian, what do you really want to do? It's not a podcast called Nope. You really want to do a podcast about pop music where you break down the chords and videos of different pop songs. And I said, you know, it's not either or. Maybe I want to do both. And uh, here you are accommodating me. Mm -hmm. So so I appreciate that. Before we get in, so we're going to do, last week we did the worst uh, uh, Christmas songs of all time. And this year, we're this week, we're going to do the three best Christmas songs of all time as determined by me. And you're just going to be subjected to listen. A very scientific. (laughs) Very scientific N (laughs) equals one, right? (laughs) Quantified self. So before we do that, I just want to recap from last week. One of our two worst songs was George Michael's Last Christmas, where we went into the song and the video and so forth. However, I've subsequently have some additional data about the song that I feel the need to update us on. So first of all, I realized that George Michael played every instrument on that song. And so he was so determined to do that, that one of the like studio musicians or engineers wanted to play the sleigh bells that are in the background of every Christmas song. And George Michael would not let him do it because he wanted to play every single instrument. He's an uh, artist. On that song. He's, true... an artiste. <laughs> He's an artist. <laughs> a control freak <laughs> like none other. Yeah. So when um... I told when I told people just like in the wild, in my world, that I was going to do the three top Christmas songs of all time. Two of them today said you have to do Wham! George Michael Last Christmas as the best Christmas song no, of all time. No, that's not the best Christmas song. I'm no, like, you're out of worst. your fucking mind. That is the worst <laughs> Christmas song. And they were shocked. They were <laughs> shocked and offended. And it's like I had just like insulted their family. I don't think you could be friends with them anymore. That's <laughs> well, like, that's such a difference of opinion. That's too they're much. They're wonderful people. And then... <laughs> Two different people when I told, no, one was the same person, one was another person. I asked them, okay, so what do you think is the best song of all time? And they told me it was Dominic the Donkey. Have you heard of the song? I never heard the song. That's a Christmas song? Yeah, it's like Dominic the Christmas Donkey. And it's like this Italian, like, oompa. Oompa Loompa song, like from the fifties or something. <laughs> I don't even want to like link to it or play it, but someone played it for me. It's the dumbest freaking song of all time, and yet two two different people independently told me that it was either George what Michael happens or Dominic. This time of year, people's musical taste just like flies out the window. They like... lose their minds. That's why I feel like when I talk about these songs, I have to provide some. Just contextual and musical justification. Okay, so let, let's okay. do my songs here. So um, it's okay. no secret that the best holiday songs tap into kind of the dual nature of Christmas. They tend to be happy, but there's also a little twinge of nostalgia, and they're kind of about togetherness, but also about loneliness, because there's a little bit of each of that in the holiday season, right? And longing. And, and longing, longing, yes. And each of these holiday songs expresses that, but in a different way. So the number three song that I have uh, for the best Christmas songs of all time is 
Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which is a classic, yeah. right? Oh, so yeah. this song was written in 1943 for an MGM movie. If I told you that it was from a movie, could you take a guess what movie it was from? Um, it's you a know, Wonderful old movie. Life. Yeah, you would think it was something like that. No, it's from the great classic Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Starring Judy Garland. And the first round of lyrics that were written were rejected because they were too depressing. The existing song is pretty depressing anyway, but they were too depressing. Um, That part, the main part, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, used to go, through the years we all will be together if the fates allow. No, no, that's the wrong one. What did they say? Uh, wait, there's something else they said. It was like, if we're not, if we're, wait, that's the new one. The, the old one was like, if we're not dead by now, like if we're still alive, basically. And it was too depressing. That's perfect for this year. That's like, yes, we'll be all together next year if we're alive to be together. So the revised lyrics, which I think everybody knows are through the years, we all will be together. If the fates allow hang a shining star above the highest bow and have yourself a merry little Christmas now. And that, that note, that chord at hang a shining star upon the highest bow, right? That is such a heartbreaking note and a heartbreaking chord. It's really sad. I'm going to play it. Hold on. Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. So have yourself a merry little Christmas So when I hear that, like, I'll hear it in CVS, and I'm, like, crying in CVS. I know. And I, and it's very emotional. And it I don't is. give a shit about Christmas. Like, I, it could be about Christmas. It could be about anything. And, like, it's it's actually kind of optimistic. Like, it's like we'll be together if the fates allow. I mean, it's, it's not, like, fatalistic or anything, but something. That's the power of music, the power of just, like, the right note to and the right chord. To conjure that moment. Yeah, yeah. Just, just thinking like, about not being together and like wanting to be together yeah it's it's just like chemically chemically induced melancholy Mm -hmm. um so that's my number three i'm gonna go on to my number two which um i think there's a big leap here and it is very very different it is christmas wrapping by the waitresses from 1981 now you may not recognize it by the name of the song christmas wrapping but um, I, I'll try to play this underneath here. But it is very recognizable from the actual sound of it. All Music, the music website, called it one of the best holiday songs ever recorded. They said it was a fizzling, funky, dance-around-the-Christmas-tree music for Brooklyn hipsters. And another place called it one of the most charming, insouciant, festive songs ever. And when it you listen great. to it, I dare yeah. you not to dance. It's got like a chic like uh, the band Chic, like funk, bass, and so forth. So I looked into how the song was written, 
And this is like an early new wave post-punk kind of band. And if you watch the video, it's like the most 1981 thing you could it's ever like imagine. It's like thrown together. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's like, like... Ran, it's like one of our summer music series. It's like random disjointed pictures of people and a band. Um, so it was put together at the last minute for a soundtrack of something, like a compilation album of unfinished rift that they had from other songs they did. And then the guy wrote the lyrics. He finished them in the back of a taxi cab. And he said, everyone I knew in New York was running around like a bunch of fiends. It wasn't about joy. It was something to cope with Christmas. So mm -hmm. this is a story song. It's a story about a girl who says she's too tired to deal with anything about Christmas. But then as the story progresses, we realize that the story is really about being alone on Christmas, which again is that mix of like, you know, melancholy in the season stuff. And the intro is amazing, which uh, I hope I'm playing underneath here. It's got this incredible bass line. You got to watch the video. So this is a Christmas song that's so unusual that it actually starts with the words bah humbug. So this girl has attitude. So the, the first like little verse part goes bah humbug. No, that's too strong because it is my favorite holiday. But all this year has been a busy blur. Don't think I have the energy. Um, and I'll do a little more of the verses in a second, but you'll probably recognize the chorus, which is Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, but I think I'll miss this one this year, and I'll play that now. So there's, there's more to the story. And here, here's the story that she tells in the song. So there's this guy that she met earlier, I guess, last winter in the ski shop. And she was into him and they talked and they missed the connection. And then they met several other times of the course of the year. And they're like, let's meet for coffee, whatever. And it never comes together. And then she decides she can't deal with Christmas, like I said. And she makes Christmas dinner for herself. And she realizes that she forgot the cranberries, as we do when you're cooking mm -hmm. cranberry dinner for yourself. And mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm going to play this lyric for you here because it is her delivery is perfect. The lyric is perfect. You'll hear it. It starts with the line. A&P has provided me with the world's smallest turkey. Amazing. Listen here. So in the end, it's a happy ending. Like she's this incredibly cynical Christmas person. And like, this is a great example of like show don't tell. She doesn't like, she's not hitting us over the head with like, it's Christmas, be happy, love your loved ones. Like she takes us on oh, a journey. She's making it work. She's yeah, making it she's work however she can. figuring it out. Yeah. 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 Now on a sad note, the lead singer who delivers this incredible uh, performance, Patricia Donahue, died in 1996. So she's in the realm of Laura Branigan of the Julie Departed great singers. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention the um, the the reboot of this song. I wouldn't even call it a remake by Haim, 
the the all girl band, which is a yeah. it's a, like a Hanukkah 2020 version, and it's like done in TikTok format. Um, and uh, I don't know, there's too much to talk about here about it, but um, we'll link to it, and uh, maybe I'll put it in the outro or something. Could you put but- yeah, do something with it because it's like I had never heard it before, and you sent it to me, and I was like, this is the energy with which I want to enter 2021. Oh yeah. And it's about like, the pandemic and Biden and Yentl and like Yentl, both- <laughs> Sally forth into the new year, Yentl style, like cut our own hair. But the thing is that they say they'll cut their own hair Yentl style, but the way their hair is in that TikTok is not Yentl style. It's like way too long. <laughs> well, it's more like uh Esty from unorthodox style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although one of their names is Esty, I think. Esty Hyam. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh. But anyway, um, I'll do my best. There's so many, like every every lyric is so great on that. I'm going to have trouble picking one, but I'll, I'll, I'll figure something out. Okay. So number two is Christmas Wrapping by The Waitresses. Finally, the number one Christmas song of all time. You're going to love me or you're going to hate me. I mean... Is all I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey. Obviously, okay. it's it's just the perfect. By it's the perfect Christmas song. A long shot, yes. New, New yes. Yorker, no stranger to cultural criticism, called it one of the few worthy modern additions to the holiday canon. Um, mm-hmm. The public agrees. It is her biggest international success single. And God knows Mariah Carey has had a lot of those. It -hmm. was first released in 1994. It has charted, been on the charts every holiday season since then. I think it was introduced to a new generation when it was in Love Actually, not sung by her, sung by a little girl. Um, And then in 2019, it hit number one in uh for the first time so it actually has the record for the slowest chart climb in history from 1994 wow. when it was released to 2019 i guess that what is that 25 years no 15, yeah, 15 no from 1994 to 2019 that's 24 years oh okay. 25 years yeah um <laughs> How many Ivy League degrees are on this podcast Uh, um, to become a number one uh, hit? But what I want to focus on is the actual music. And what's incredible, first of all, this was actually co-written by Mariah um, and another guy who's like a super producer, but she was obviously like super involved in the writing and the producing of it. It is a very complex song. And if you think about most pop songs, especially Christmas songs that are like meant to be sing-alongy songs, they have three to four chords that are, you know, that's what makes for a nice sing-along song. Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You has 13 different chords, most of which are heard in the a cappella introduction. Um, so it is a masterpiece of like harmonic complexity. Um, and what's more than that is the, the chords themselves are very Christmassy. So like I've listened, there's a whole body of literature, including like PhD dissertations about the harmonic complexity of this song. And um, it turns out that there are a few of these like Christmassy chords um, Mm -hmm. and they're common to a lot of Christmas songs. And for some reason they just invoke Christmas. They're in white, the song White Christmas as well. And um, I'm gonna geek out here. Um, it's, uh, it's a minor subdominant with an added sixth. Um, and it's the song, it's the chord that you hear underneath the Christmas tree in the introduction. Uh, and it's, you could also call it a half diminished minor second chord. Anyway, there's a whole article in Slate about the musical theory behind this. I know I've lost half the audience here, but this is my 
my segment and I'm a music theory geek. So he says that this Make chord- Make your own, Brian. Just yeah, yeah, own I'll own it, yeah. So he says <laughs> this chord gives the effect of a bright major subdominant that you might say sighs or melts into a dark minor subdominant spiked with spicy extra tone, which is the added sixth note, before the song settles back into their tonic or home chords. Now, if that is all gobbledygook to you, which I suspect it is for most people, I have made a one-time only special recording of me performing and annotating the acapella introduction to All I Want for Christmas is You. So I hope it all clears it up. Here it is. Okay, so the song's in the key of G major, so it's gonna start on a G chord. I don't want a lot for Christmas. Then the bass goes up to a B, so like rising anticipation. There's just one thing I need, and then up to a C. I don't care about the presents. Then here's that Christmas chord. C minor 6 with an E flat underneath the Christmas tree. And that's a little bluesy note there, back to the G with the D. I just want to form my own B7 to an E minor, more than you could ever know. Make my wish come true with an E7, and then E minor 7. All I want for Christmas. That's the Christmas E chord. That's an A minor seven with a flat fifth and a D in the bass, and it just begs for resolution to that G. And then the song begins. There you go. Rachel, what do you think? Wow, what do you think? bravo. <laughs> it's my fine. I, I was taking on <laughs> I was taking on a journey. I I love that song so much. And like I don't really like Christmas music, but that is um a really good song. It's yeah. catchy, it's it has meaning, it has heart, it's not too sad. There's so many sad songs at this time. No, but of it year. still has that like weird, like diminished it minor chord that gives it a mel- little bit it of has a twin. Like a little you know? tinge. It's real. It feels real. You know, yeah, it's like, not too. And for upbeat. someone like Mariah Carey, yeah. who is not a very real person, like it shows it's, she's vulnerable <laughs> in it, right? It's almost like it's she the is. only it's the only heartfelt thing she's ever done. Like the only authentic thing well, she's she, ever done. Well, she's she has a, her new uh, memoir that I need to read. I hear that's very vulnerable. Yeah, it's on the top of my list. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna read it. Okay, <laughs> I love her. anyway, so um, I hope I've given you all at least a passing glimpse at why that's such a great song, as with the others. So uh, thank you for indulging my musical theory habit here. Those are my three best uh, Christmas songs of all time. Rachel, I, you know, I've usurped this segment. Is there anything you want to add? Are there any songs that you think I've left out that you, that you love? The only Christmas song that I think is notable is all I want for Christmas is you. Well, like, there you go. Honestly, once and again, this, 
this Haim Haim song is amazing too. So I'll, but that's more of a Hanukkah. Oh, and I, I love the Hanukkah song, the Adam Sandler Hanukkah song. Yeah, it's kind of it's a joke really. song though. Yeah. But, but it's funny. It's good. I listened to it recently. It's good. Okay. So anyway, those are, those are my songs. Okay. Uh, Gentle like style. Yeah. Okay. So yep to those and nope to all the other songs. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, so we are at the end of this horrible, shitty it's a cliche already, but I'll say it, dumpster fire year. And what we need wow. is one final round of yups, the little rays of light, the little beacons of hope that got us through the last week, last couple of weeks of the year. So, Rachel, I'm dying to hear yours. Yeah, I mean, it's been kind of rough <laughs> I mean, for <laughs> everybody. Say. Yeah, with and your husband almost dying. Yes, <laughs> like, and yeah, the whole family being sick. I mean, it's just been quite a quite a year. Um and I haven't been spending a lot of money this year because it's not like we're going out or anything. And it's a good thing because I haven't been making a lot of money. But I, I did splurge on um, Black Friday for an Instant Pot and an air fryer. And oh, I've been really curious about that. How do you like it? Yeah, I mean, I love it. I, I had no idea what either of these things did. But I just knew that a lot of people liked them and that I was cooking a lot of meals at home and that it would be exciting to have some new <laughs> equipment in the house with which to do that. And it's been nothing short of a transformative life upgrade for me and Josh and AJ, too. Um, last night, Josh made chicken shawarma in the Instant Pot. And it How was How do you delicious. do that? Do you, I like, made... just carve slices? Like, you need the whole rotisserie rot thing? And you, you don't need a... the rotisserie. No, no, no. You could just make make it like a, in the in the pressure cooker like a it's like a stew really and it, it was delicious and he made it with um tzatziki sauce and i made a chicken tikka masala so we can have indian food out here and i did air fried tofu in the air fryer i made air fried buttermilk biscuits and tonight i made salmon in the air fryer it's a true delight and um really in a dark moment every day i look forward to what cool new recipe i'm gonna cook either in the air fryer or the instant pot so <laughs> okay. i know that may sound boring but um this is this is what life is like now so there you go there you have it so uh my up goes to um believe it or not part of this stimulus covid bill which is the 15 billion dollars that is going to live music venues that is going to hopefully keep them alive or some of the ones that haven't died alive it was sponsored by amy klobuchar um, I realize that doesn't seem like the most urgent thing right now, but at some point soon, hopefully, we will come back. And this is a essential form of the arts that appeals to the masses, not just the highbrow. And when I think about how many live, how much live music I go to at all the New York venues, and this is not just New York, every city and even town in America has some live music place. And these people have no margin of error. They have no margins and they have no margin of error. And most of them are on the brink of going out of business. And wouldn't it suck if we came out of this in a few months and there was nowhere to see live music? So perhaps selfishly, perhaps in the interest of the arts in America. I'm thrilled that there will be some bailout money for these uh, for these venues. Um, and hats off to Amy Klobuchar for taking on a lesser known but important uh, important part of our economy and our, our life of the arts that will uh, hopefully pick up again soon. Yeah, that's interesting that it came from Amy Klobuchar. I guess in um, 
Minneapolis, there's a lot of there's a Prince, music scene. Prince, yeah, Prince, no, it's a vibrant Lizzo, yeah, Lizzo, yeah, you know, there it's a capital, yeah. it's a the northern, the, it's the music capital of the northern plains states. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, so, well, normally, normally at the end of the podcast here, we thank you, we say rate, subscribe, review, tell a friend, which we do say, but I think most of all, we want to say fuck you, twenty twenty. Yes. Um, we had a little ray of light at the end. We have an election that turned out the way we wanted, uh, and uh, a vaccine is on its way. We have one little chef's kiss we're looking for, which is a double win in Georgia, which will yes. sort of finish the job. Um, and uh, I don't know. Th- thank you to listeners. I hope you keep listening into twenty twenty one. We're going to keep doing this, I guess, Rachel. Right? I, I, mean, I mean, I think so. I don't see why not. <laughs> we'll we'll let you know should we choose we'll either to show up show up in january or not like you'll, you'll... we'll keep you on your toes but um everyone have a um have yourselves a merry little christmas and uh if the fates allow yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all i want for christmas rachel is you okay oh, thanks okay. everyone talk to you next week this has been no oh, two weeks two weeks this has been nope the podcast where we shut it down 